Kia ora. Welcome to 168 Days of Magic. This is the podcast that invites you to empower your creative spirit and get stuck into a project that nourishes, nurtures and excites you. Each episode, we'll be looking at how mindfulness, productivity and creativity all come together to give you the power, stamina and resilience to bring something new into the world. My name's Jordan Harcourt Hughes, and I'm an artist living on New Zealand's stunning Kapiti Coast, which is just an hour north of Wellington. I'll be your host and creative champion on this journey, and I'll also be introducing you to some other wonderful people along the way, including some of our other local artists, wellbeing practitioners, and life coaches to help us on our journey. So welcome to episode one of the podcast. On the productivity front today, we're going to be talking about how you select a creative project that's right for you. My podcast chat is with local Kapiti textile artist Lisa Call. Lisa's got a fascination with making fabric do things that it doesn't naturally want to do. So she's got some great tips about making a series of artworks. And she's also got a wonderful bit of advice for new artists, which has something to do with the length of your arm. So stay tuned for that. And on the creativity front, we'll be talking about slow creativity. So let's get stuck in. If you're following the podcast, you might also have an inkling to do a creative project. But the question is likely to come up, what kind of creative project is going to work for you? But really, a creative project can be anything. And I always say that a creative project can be as small or as big as you like. It's really not about the finished product. It's really about the journey. So any kind of creative exploration could be a project for you. I think there are a few key things to consider when you're planning to do a creative project. The first thing is to think about what kind of creativity interests you. Do you want to become a writer or a better um, visual artist? Do you want to explore journaling? Do you want to explore gardening? Are you redecorating your house and you want to create a beautiful room? room that you can enjoy that could be a redecorating project do you want to write a script or a novel but again think about what's meaningful for you and what will help you so if you're already a creative practitioner you might have bigger ambitions but if you're just starting out it can be something very very simple you know anything that is meaningful and purposeful for you is great you are completely in control of your creative project so remember that this is for you this isn't for anyone else What we really focus on is the journey, and that is a meaningful, mindful, inner and outer journey for you. The next thing to consider is how much time do you want to commit to this creative project? In the six-month studio program, we do monthly studio workshops and monthly tutorials. And in between that time, you've got the chance to do stuff on your own, to go exploring, researching, ideating. So it's really completely up to you how much time that you put into this. But it's very good to have a think about what's going to be feasible for you because you want to be realistic. You know, creativity is wonderful and a creative project brings so much joy, I think, to anyone that starts out on one. But I think what can really hinder us is the the time factor. So often it can be really easy to underestimate the time that might be required to do something. So really have a think about what your weekly schedule looks like, for example, and how much time might be realistic. So you might decide that half an hour a week is good for your creative project. You might decide that an hour a day works for you. But it's really a personal understanding of how much you can commit so that you don't get disappointed along the way. Another thing that you might like to consider is what kind of creative tools you've already got access to. One of the things that I always say to people is that creative projects can really start from anywhere. You don't have to go and set yourself up with a massive amount of technical equipment. You don't have to go and spend lots of money on buying stuff. You can really start very simply. And there might already be things that you have around 
in your office or your house or your garage or any any of your creative supplies that you can use. So it's always really good to do an inventory of stuff that you've already got. And in this world of sustainability and upcycling and recycling, have a think about what you can repurpose, what might be a really good starting foundation for you. So if you've got scrap paper or old canvases or paper that you've printed on once how can you use those to get started it can be very daunting if you spend a lot of money it kind of adds a pressure to you I think that you kind of feel like you have to do something wonderful to really justify the spend so take that pressure off yourself just start with whatever you've got around so those are a few tips to get you rolling I hope that's helpful and throughout the next couple of episodes I'm going to be talking about my own creative project and what that's going to look like for me and I'll talk a little bit about the tools that I'm going to use for that and what I've already got and what I've had to add which isn't actually a lot so I've already got a lot of this stuff uh, hanging around. So I've got Lisa Call with me for our podcast chat today. Lisa is a local textile artist. She's originally from Denver, Colorado, and she does abstract compositions as well as landscapes, often in a series of works. And Lisa runs art and art business courses online and sells her work through her online shop. And she'll also undertake some commissions each year. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you. You're a textile artist. Uh, tell us about your work. Yeah. Uh, well, first, thank you for having you on on the podcast. And um, my work is textile based, meaning I work with fabric, but it is also fine art. And so it is on the wall. I yeah. stitch all of my work onto a canvas. Amazing. I ha- I actually haven't seen a lot of that kind of work. Do you find it's a, a quite a unique uh, kind of art that you create? Uh, you know, there are a lot of amazing. Uh, fiber and textile artists in New Zealand and if you go to those exhibitions you will see some amazing work. So you're originally from the American Southwest. How did you get to be here? Tell us about the journey and what the difference is between the the Southwest and the Kapiti Coast of New Zealand. So it um it's a you know it's the same story so many people have i i came to new zealand to teach a workshop an art workshop so i i was teaching at fiber arts new zealand and i wanted to do some hiking tramping as you say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i planned on staying two months and i i came and i went down and i hiked the milford track and it started raining because oh. it was post season <laughs> i couldn't do kepler or any of the other ones and so i came back up towards wellington where i met a guy yeah. and there you go <laughs> and i stayed oh wonderful um, and so how long ago was that? How long have you been here for now? I've been here six years. So, it, um, yeah, it, it, um, it's interesting to move countries mm. because it really changes your artwork. It really changes the environment that you live in. Mm. I, when I got here and I decided to stay, it was like spur of the moment. I really either had to go back or I had to commit to staying because I had a solo show in the States and I had made none of the artwork and I had three months to make all of the artwork after my trip to New Zealand. I was going to go back, heads down, make the work for my solo show and I instead decided to make it out here in New Zealand. And at that point I was in the Hutt Valley and the Hutt Valley to me is a challenge because I'm used to the American Southwest where the sky is really big and you can see forever. So the artwork I made was a, a series that compared the horizon line of Colorado mm-hmm. to the horizon line of New Zealand. And I used to get up every 
day and walk to the top of Belmont Hill so I could look out over Wellington Harbor and see for a long way because mm. I, I need to see for a long way, yeah. which is why I live on the Kepity Coast yeah. now because <laughs> I can go out to the beach and I can see forever. I, I need to be able to see forever, and uh, I love the Kepity Coast for that reason. I have that ability to see a long distance. Yeah. Fantastic. Is there anything you miss about uh, the creative life in the U.S.? You know, I definitely miss the U.S. I, I definitely, um, it is home, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is, will always be yeah. where I came from, and I am very thankful to have been in New Zealand during yeah. the pandemic. And I do love it here also. I think one of the things I miss about the U.S. is there are just a lot more people, mm-hmm. and so there's more diversity, okay. and diversity brings creativity. Yeah. You're exposed to more different ideas in such a large environment yeah fantastic now um, you like to create series of works rather than one-offs what does that give you in terms of exploring an idea yeah see that's like the million dollar question right because this is the class I teach and I can give you like a synopsis of it but really I I teach this three-month-long class on why work in a series what does it bring a creative and why would you want to do it but Kind of in kind of in summary, one of the things that brings you is the ability to really know what you think about that subject matter. And because we we think we know and then we want to go make a piece of artwork about that idea, and as we're making it we get another idea. And then so we try and put that idea in there. And then we have another idea and we try and put that idea in there. And the next thing you know, we've made this piece of artwork that has like four, five, six different ideas that we've come up with and we try and put them in this piece of artwork and then we get confused as to what we're really trying to say, where when you work in a series, you can say, here's this idea, and I'm going to make this piece. And then I'm going to have this, this other idea that I came up with, I'm going to save it, and I'm going to put it in another piece. And as we, as we build this series of work, we go deeper and deeper into our understanding of what our artwork is about. And so it's just this magical process of not trying to cram too much into a piece of artwork. That's a fantastic um, way to think about it because I'm sure I've been guilty of, of doing that many times of getting excited but just keeping the ideas kind of flowing in and pouring them into one piece and it just yeah it's too much for one to, to hold it in one piece. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, there's like a million other positive benefits of working mm. in a series. You know, it's so much easier to market your work because yeah. you're clear on what you're doing. It you it's like cheating also, right? <laughs> because when you walk in and there's that age-old, oh, I want to be creative, staring at a blank canvas is really, really hard. Yes. Right? How do you start? Yeah. Well, when you're working in a series, it's a really easy answer. You make the next piece in your series. So you've already eliminated you know, 99.9% of the possible things you might make, and it's so much easier to start. Mm. So you're, I find I'm much more prolific. I'm much more efficient mm. because... I'm not distracted by all those bright, shiny objects. I'm making work in my series. And and it feels like it'll be really claustrophobic. Like, if I do that, I'm going to get bored. I'm making the same thing over and over again. And, but it, it's interesting in that, you know, I see from students over and over again, they, they're amazed that the magic of working in a series is really they're more creative. They come yes. up, they, they find that they that they really grow more as an artist if they work in a series versus bouncing from idea to idea. 
Because it probably does a few things. It gives it gives you a framework and some boundaries to work in, right. and it probably narrows your attention, doesn't it? So yeah. you kind of you go more deeply into that thing that you're doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And do you um, have any kind of storytelling process when it comes to sharing a series with an audience? So if you exhibit, how do you go about kind of talking about the work of a series? Yeah, it, it depends. Like the that exhibit I told you about, which was comparing um, Colorado to New Zealand landscape, that, you know, give an artist talk in the gallery and I write about it. I, I write a blog and do a lot of blogging and and, and sharing like what it is, it is all about. So being able to um, take notes, mm-hmm. right, writing in my sketchbook as I'm making the pieces to capture all of those ideas so I can then communicate them then with my audience. It's really hard, right, because I'm a visual artist. Yes. And I'm way better yeah. with the visual <laughs> than I am the words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, that's why, you know, along the way I try and capture what I'm doing mm-hmm. so I can then share that later because people like the words to understand what they're what they're doing Perfect. Um, now you've also spoken about there being four steps to creating an artwork in your practice what are those four steps and how do you kind of walk through them so because I work with textiles mm. I I it's a dry process you might say you know I I am covered in thread and it's it's a fairly um Structured process. Fabric is a very structured material. So I want some of that messy stuff. I want like finger painting. So I dye my own fabric for that reason because you're just, and I don't, you know, you can use formulas to get the colors you want, but I'm more like dumping and pouring and making this big mess. And I, I, so I start with white fabric and I dye a whole bunch of colors and I might have an idea in mind. I did a series about hiking in the Grand Canyon. And so I just, I don't use formulas, but I go in and I think, you know, earthy tone colors and I create, um, a, a grouping of colors that, that fit that idea and it's a huge mess so that's like the first process is this dyeing of fabric it's completely different than anything else I do and so it also needs heat so it's only done during the summer because you got to have a lot of heat to to get the dye to set in the fabric so I that's this first process and then after that I take the fabric out and I pick the colors and I think about the composition that I'm making and my studio walls are covered in flannel it's my palette it's my it's my easel so I you know when we're working on work we need to see it up on the wall to know what it looks like it you can't there's really no other you know if it's on the floor or or any sort of horizontal surface it's not the same as seeing it on the wall so i cut out the shapes that i want and i stick them up on my wall and i can move them around and they stick cuz it's flannel and so like that magic board where things stick so i figure out what i want and then i sew that together and that's kind of the basic composition for the piece and from there i add paint i do mark making i love yes. this process of making my own marks and that's something that doesn't that's a little bit harder with fabric and so i then go to paint to add that mark making aspect of it so i do mark making over the surface of the fabric that i've stitched together and then from there i add all of the texture which is what makes it such fabulous work is like is Stitching and I do really, really dense stitching, almost sometimes just completely encrusted with thread over the top. And I 
do like two passes through it. I do the first pass and then I'll do a second pass, which stitches it onto the stretched canvas. And how much of that's manual and how much are you using a machine? I use a sewing machine for all of it. it, It's all done. And I have this tiny little sewing machine. I bought it right before my son was born. I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. I knew I was going to have no money. So (laughs) I bought a brand-new sewing machine. So that sewing machine is 29 years old. It's a tiny little sewing machine. But it's recessed down into a table so it doesn't move. So I have a big flat surface to work with. And for you, how much of it is an intuitive process? I work pretty improvisationally. I'm not sketching out my ideas. But because I work in a series, it's like the previous work is feeding into the ideas for the next work. But I don't. I I do a lot of sketching and drawing, Mm -hmm. but that's mostly about you know practice and training my eye. And but the that the um the thing that comes up out in the artwork isn't pre-sketched. It's very improvisational. Now, um, I particularly love some of your most recent works. There's lots of circles going on there. And I'm a huge, I I, I work a lot in circles and I love the whole philosophy of a circle. So tell me about the series that you made uh, that had so many circles in it. I think it was called uh, the Travel Pattern Series. Yeah, so circles, you know, there is, you know, we can like circles and life and, you know, there's all of that. And so they're very appealing for that reason. But for personally, in addition to all of that, um, that series, the Travel Pattern Series, is is really about looking at how did I end up in New Zealand? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this travel that I've done. I've done a lot of I've lived in many places in the United States and, and then how to, you know, coming here to New Zealand. And, and so there's a lot of pathways through it. But the reality is, is that travel involves wheels. Mm. And so the circle ah, is very yes. connected to the wheel itself because that's how how humans have figured out how to get around mm. yeah. a lot easier. <laughs> Even an airplane needs wheels yeah. to get up off the ground. You know, if yeah. we had a helicopter, maybe we don't need yeah. those wheels. But... So that's what the circle to me is signifying there. But it was interesting. I I broke my blog a few years back, and I couldn't. My website was loading so slowly, and I, I'm like, oh. so I just deleted all my blog posts, which was really dumb because I had 1,200 of them. So gone. And so I've been slowly putting them back. I, of course, saved them off, but they're each in a separate file. It's not a simple upload. And so I'm like rereading all of them. And I was looking at a blog post I had written after a trip to New Mexico, which is where I grew up. And they were pictures from Bandelier National Monument, which is a national monument that was just right down the road from my house. It's, um, the Anasazi Indian ruins, and I'm looking at these photos, and there's all of these um, circles in a line on a wall, and it's from the top of the houses, the pueblos that went into the rocks, so those are where the sticks went in. So I grew up looking at pattern, and it's just like in my head, that's pattern and these rows of circles. They are just part of who I am, And, and so... To see that connection, because I've been thinking, why do I keep making these rows of circles? And it, to me, I, it goes like right back to that. It was so interesting to, you know, it was a good thing I deleted all my blog posts and so forced me to yeah. go back and read them. <laughs> um, now, one final question for you. If you had one tip for people if they wanted to kind of get into some kind of creative practice and enjoy creativity, what would it be? 
So my tip would be is that the word enjoy is a tricky word when it comes to creativity because it's hard. Mm-hmm. And it, um, and the reason it's hard is that we have in our mind this picture of this amazing thing we're going to create. And then we make it, and there's this mismatch between what we've made and this vision for what we wanted to make. And certainly when we first start out, there's a really big mismatch. Mm-hmm. And the best metaphor I've seen for that is like it's the length of your arms when you first start out you've got these really long arms because your hands are very far away from the vision in your brain but the more you make it the shorter your arms get and the better you are at making the thing you think you're going to make and so my tip is to like keep going till your arms get shorter and stop comparing yourself to the people that have been doing it for so long that they are being they are able to make it so you know, enjoy is tricky. To enjoy it, you need to let go of the need to to have it right the first time. Thank you, Lisa. That's a great insight, and it's been really great to have you. Ah, you're welcome. So that was local Capiti textile artist Lisa Call. If you're interested in her work and keen to find out more, you can visit her on her websites, lisacall.com and makebigart.com. And you can also find her on Instagram under Lisa Call Fine Art. So as part of sharing with you my creative practice and the creative project that I'm working on, I wanted to share with you a few things that I believe. Colour is everything. Inspiration is everywhere. Communing with nature should be a daily practice. Walking puts everything into perspective. Art happens when you let it breathe. Spirit will find you anywhere that you're open to it. Teachers arrive in many forms when you open yourself up to learning. And gratitude is free. Okay, so now on to exploring the benefits of slow creativity. The 168 Days of Magic concept is the idea of taking 168 days or six months to create a piece of work, to do a deep dive into creativity and in that period bring something new into the world. But why six months? Why does it have to take that long? Well, in actual fact, it probably doesn't. Creative things can happen both quickly and slowly, and you might be able to get a creative project out the door in a much shorter period of time. But the idea of taking six months is to really enjoy the journey and to deepen into a more nourishing creative practice. For me, it's always been a joyful way to do things. I'm an intuitive artist, an intuitive writer, and my creative projects do take long stretches of time. But you might have not done a long project before. Six months might seem a bit daunting, but let me tell you what I think are some of the benefits of taking 168 days to do a creative project. So firstly, it really does let you relax into the process. And I think this is the top priority, just enjoying creativity. It's so beneficial to our lives. It's so good for our sense of well-being. Any kind of creative play lets us relax, slow down, feel good. And so why not just enjoy it? Why not just have a creative practice that lets you turn up, uh, have fun, and not really be pressured by getting something finished and done in a quick time? Secondly, 168 Days gives you the chance to experiment, to let your creative ideas evolve and reveal themselves through play and doing things differently. Creativity is like anything. When you start turning your attention to your ideas more frequently, they shift, they grow, they evolve, they change. And it's wonderful to just see where the journey takes you. So 
letting accidents happen, taking wrong turns, seeing things not turn out the way you thought, these are all gems, in my opinion, in terms of your creative practice, because they take you to new places of thinking and doing. And in my experience, happy accidents are just the universe's way of coming in to help you and point you in a different direction and show you things that you just may not have considered before. Thirdly, I think slow creativity gives you the time and the space to also take an inward journey, to learn new things about yourself and to dig deeper into your own ideas, dreams and yearnings. So art is a wonderful way to start venturing inwards, to shut out all of the distractions of the outside world and to tune into our own ideas and thoughts more clearly. Sometimes this can take time, time to remember and reconnect with our own selves, particularly because the outside world is so busy, so chaotic and so demanding of our attention that sometimes we forget to turn inwards instead of being completely consumed by everything that's going on around us. So this can take time and sometimes it can be daunting uh, to turn inwards and to find ourselves, to find our own voice and to remember what we really want, uh, what our own desires are for our life. But You know, a slow creative process lets this be a nurturing process. So turn inwards, but do it slowly and find a way to reconnect with your deepest self in a joyful manner that lets you really get the benefit of that reconnection and be able to reflect on what it means to find yourself again. I think one of the other benefits is that slow creativity gives you the chance to access deeper states of awareness and to start working with your intuition and your subconscious. These are sensibilities that exist outside of our logical mindset. So when we're in our busy day-to-day life and thinking very quickly and doing very quickly, we are in that daylight state of being that logical space. But slower creativity happens when we step out of that, when we're relaxed, when we're closer to a dream state, uh, when our brain waves have slowed down. And to me, that is where we really start uh, being able to work intuitively. Again, it's, it's like taking a drink of water from a beautiful stream. It's, it's just a deeper state of consciousness and awareness. And as soon as you start tapping into that deep state, that's where you'll start to get a lot more flow, a lot more ideas coming through to explore. And, to, and that's where you really start to feel nourished for me I think uh, because it's a state that we can't access very often when we're busy being busy. Finally I think one of the best things that slow creativity allows you to do is to rest and to stop. So being able to take a moment to walk away to leave all of your creative ideas to just settle is really really helpful and beneficial and it's actually very productive as well because it means that you're coming back and looking at things with fresh eyes and with those fresh eyes you might see things differently, you might see things that you had missed or hadn't thought about. To me it's like having a, a day of doing stuff and then realizing that you haven't kind of got all the answers yet but then going to sleep and sleep always is this amazing elixir of of just being able to wake up fresh and have the answers that you didn't have the day before and walking away from a creative project is very similar it just lets you put it on the back burner uh, let your subconscious and your brain tick over on the things that haven't quite worked themselves out yet and then they reveal themselves after a period of rest so resting uh, and letting your your creative project breathe is a really helpful process I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Next time we'll be talking about the benefits of mindfulness and how to create space in your life for creativity. My podcast chat is with the amazing Vicky Evans. Vicky is a life coach and in our chat we talk about some of the important things like befriending your inner critic and addressing any limiting beliefs that you might have. So see you then.